Ketubot, Perichet, Mishnah, Vav. So in the first mission of this parak, Bet Shammai and Bet Tzilal disagree regarding a woman who acquired property during Erosin. Bet Shammai permits her to sell it during Erosin because her husband does not yet have the rights to eat its produce, but Bet Tzilal forbids her to do so because she thereby prevents him from taking its produce in the future after Nisuin. Now, the following Mishnah, which appears in Yevamot in the fourth parak, the Mishnah discusses this matter in the context of a Yevama. If a Yavama acquires property, the Yavam has the right to eat his produce after he marries her with the Yubom, just like any other husband does after Nisuin. The Mishnah states the law where a Yavama acquires property and wants to sell it before Yubom. So let's say if you had a woman waiting Yubom and she inherited property, agree that she may sell or give it away while awaiting Yibum, and the transaction stands. So before Yibum Machalisa, the Yavama is attached to the Yavam in the sense that she may marry only him and not anyone else. However, this attachment, or the Yibum bond, is not strong enough to prevent her from selling property inherit- she inherited while awaiting Yibum. Now, Betilal forbidden Arusa to sell her property, as we saw in the first Mishnah. They allow Yavama to do so because the Yibum bond is weaker than the bond between a couple during Erosin. There are two reasons. For this, number one, the penalty for cohabitation between Arusa and a man other than her husband is death, whereas the penalty for cohabitation between a Yavama and a man other than her Yavam is only Malkot. And, bet, and B, a man who performs Erosin certainly intends to marry the woman, whereas a Yavam may decide to perform Khalitsa rather than Yibum. So we see that there's this difference between Yavama and an Arusa. Now, we've learnt that the laws of marriage involve several financial arrangements, some of which are recorded in the Ketubah documents and some which are not. So, A, the Ketubah document includes three items. The standard obligation of 100 or 200 zuz, any sum that the husband adds to this amount, and the assessed value of the Tzon Barazel property brought into marriage, which he must pay her should he divorce her or die before her. Now, B, not included in the Ketubah document, is the wife's Malog property, which belongs to but which the husband may use. When a wife dies, her husband inherits or keeps all of these monies and properties. The Mishnah discusses what happens to them in case, in a case where the Yevama died while awaiting Yevom. Meta. So if a woman awaiting Yibum died, what should they do with her ketubah? So the 100 Turin Zuz, any amount added by the deceased husband and the value of the Tzom Barazel property, and what should they do with the property that enters and leaves the marriage with her? So the Malog property. Do they go to the Yavam or does her family inherit them from her? So the opinion of Bet Shammai, who addresses only the second question, what to do with the Malog property, is as follows. Bet Shammai say, The heirs of the husband, so his brother and the the Yavam divide them, so his brother the Yavam divide the Malog property with the heirs of the woman's father. This is because we are not sure whether the Yavam has rights to the property as though he had married the Yavama, in which case they should go to him, or whether he does not have such rights, in which case they should go to the family. Since Bet Shammai are uncertain who inherits her, they rule that both sides, the Yavam and the father of the Yavama or his heirs, divide the Malog property equally. So the opinion of Bet Hillel, who addresses both questions, what should be done with the Ketubah and Tzom Barazel property, as well as what should be done with the Malak property, is as follows. The Tzom Barazel property remains under its previous status. So they don't clarify whether this status is belonging to the husband um, because he's taken a degree of ownership over them by guaranteeing their value or whether the previous status that belongs to the Yavama since she brought the property into the marriage. If the previous status was of belonging to the husband, they will go to his heir, the Yavam. If they were belonging to the woman, they go to her heir, her father and his heirs. But since Hillel do not specify either way, the practical ruling is that the two sides divide the property. So anyway, so Nechassim HaBechazkazam, the Sombarazal property gives them the previous status as discussed, Uktubah, Bechazkaz Yoshe Haba and the Kutubah, 
the 102 and any amount remains under its previous status of belonging to the husband's heirs since she had never had any claims to that property. So a woman has no right to these kuzubah payments until her marriage ends, either through divorce or the death of the husband, although the Yavama's husband died. Since she is bound to the brother for Yubum, she does not yet have the right to collect the kuzubah. So Bet Shemai agree with these two rulings. They argue only with regards to the Malak property, as we're going to see soon. Now, And the property that enters and leaves the marriage with her, so the Malak property is not divided, as Bet Shemai say, but remain under its previous status of belonging to the father's heirs. Because the Bet Hillel hold that the Yavam certainly does not have rights to the Yavamah's property. So a wife is certainly the owner of her Malak property. The only question is whether the Yavam's bond, together with Ma'ama, was strong enough to make him an heir to her as though they were fully married. But Hilal ruled that's definitely not strong enough to make him as though as he had been fully married to her. Therefore the Yavam is surely not the heir, rather her father's family are the heir. But Shammai are uncertain about this, therefore they unsure who inherits her Malak property, her father's heirs or her Yavam. So according to Bet Shammai, they divide the Malak property. Mishnah Zayin. In a regular non yubal marriage, all of a husband's property is pledged to pay his wife's ketubah. So this includes the standard 100 zuz, 100 200 zuz, any extra amount, and the value of the Tzambaraz So all the property is pledged. When she comes to collect Kutubah, he must give her his last remaining property if necessary. Also in the case of Yibum, if a man collect, performs Yibum with his brother's wife and then dies and divorce her, she can collect Kutubah only from the property that he inherited from his brother. Okay, so when one performs Yibum, he inherits all the deceased brother's property. So thus, if he lost or sold the inheritance, she might be unable to collect a kutubah. So if he sold land that he inherited, she could go to court and request that the land be seized from the buyers. However, this option is undesirable because it takes time and effort. So she, she might lose out. To prevent this, the rabbis decree that a Yavah may not sell or deplete any of the property inherited from his brother. Rather, he must preserve it so that it will be available for his wife's ketubah. The Mishnah teaches how this should be done. If the brother left him money, land should be bought with it and kept for the ketubah payments, and he eats the produce of the land. In this way, the value of the inherited money is preserved and the Yavam still benefits from it. Perot had solution in karaka. If the brother left produce that is detached from the ground, Yilakach behen karaka, vhu ocha perot. Land should be bought with it and kept for her kutubah payments and he eats the produce of the land. Ham chubarim bakaraka. If produce is left that is, uh, is attached to the ground, is left to the brother. Amar Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Shamin ot kama hen yafin beperot, vhama hen yafin bulo perot. We evaluate them, so the fields in which the produce is growing, and we see how much they are worth with the produce, how much they are worth without the produce. And with the value of the difference, so the value of the produce, land should be bought and kept for the kutubah payments, and he eats the produce of the land. So these preceding laws follow the view of Rabbi Meir who holds that any type of property, even movable objects such as money, such produce that is inherited from the deceased husband must be set aside for the Kutubah. The Chachamim, however, disagree. In their view, the Kutubah is collected only by the deceased husband's land. Therefore, only his land needs to be reserved for Kutubah, whereas money and movable objects belong completely to the Avam, and he may do with them whatever he wants. The Chachamim Amrim we see, and the Chachamim say, If the brother left produce that is attached to the ground, it is his. Um, so... If he left produce that was detached from the ground, whoever first acquires it, which means as follows, if the Yavam is first, he acquires it, can do with it as he wishes. If she was first, she detached produce from her first from her husband in his lifetime as collateral for the Kutubah. She acquires it in the sense that she becomes, it becomes mortgage to her Kutubah. Therefore, land should be bought with it and kept from her Kutubah. And here the Yavam eats his produce. Now we say it's a general rule about Yavam and Yavama. Once he marries her by performing Yibum, she is like his wife in every respect. Except that the security for her Kutubah rests only in the property of her first husband and not of the property of the Yavam. Have a great day.